Amen. Hey, would you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful for today, what we've already experienced in the way of worship. I thank you the way you directed Dave in picking his songs today that spoke in so many different facets of your love. And uh, this wonderfully, incredibly song that Brother Tyler has shared with us this morning. We are amazed by your love. We are overwhelmed by your love. And we're thankful for that. God, I just can't get over that you love us unconditionally. And I want to pray that as we come now to the time in the Word, that that message would be clearly, clearly um, spoken for the ones on the radio and the ones in this room. Father, that we may leave here just enamored uh, with your, own, your love for us. So thank you very much, God, for being a gracious God, a good Father, and, and the source of our love. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. We are glad that you are here. Thank you for coming out. And uh, on a kind of, a kind of a, well, not a good morning as far as weather goes, for sure. But, you know, it was amazing how that the roads were really, really good. And it was on the trees, on the cars. You left your car out. And, uh, but, boy, on the roads, it was great. And so thank you for coming out. Now, I need to tell you this, that the size of the crowd does not dictate the length of the sermon. So if anyone's sitting there going, well, he has a smaller crowd, maybe he'll preach a little shorter. No, nah, it doesn't work that way. And if you come on Wednesday nights, you know you probably get a whole boatload. In fact, there's a story of a, of a, a young preacher boy who, who had a small congregation, a cowboy congregation. And uh, one day, I mean, it was just terrible weather. And he fought his way to the church there, the small church, the country church. And uh, in walked one old cowboy, you know, just one. And he sat down and, and the preacher said to the cowboy, said, Well, what do you think? Should we have church? And the old cowboy said, Well, preacher, I'll tell you this. If I had just one cow, I would still get out and feed him. And he goes, well, all right, there you go. That's pretty good. So he got up, and he just cut the mustard. I mean, an hour and 20 minutes later, he winds it up. And the old cowboy was sitting there kind of in a daze. And so the preacher said, well, what do you think? He said, well, I said I would feed the cow, but I wouldn't probably dump the whole load. (laughs) So we'll, we'll not dump too big of a load, hopefully, on you. Um, but we certainly are excited. I'm excited about sharing the Word of God. We're in a series called Favorite Things. Favorite Things. And it's, what we did was we asked people in the church to give favorite verses. And then we're going to come back and preach through that Sunday morning, Sunday nights, and Wednesday nights. But I've got to confess today, okay? Um, I had the schedule done, you know, because that's always subject to change. But I had it done, and along comes the Baptist hour. And I try to do something on the Baptist hour. It's always the first of the month, as you know. February's the love month. And so I wanted to do something kind of along the lines of love. And I find myself, found myself looking at Zephaniah 3.17. And it's one of those cool verses that talks about love, but it doesn't say, I love you. Uh, it's just great. So anyway, so I, I did some work on it, you know, and, and got it done and taught it that morning. And, and I mean, I got done. I said, okay, I've got to share this with the church family. I mean, I've got to share this. So I'm trying to tell you, I guess today's one of my favorite verses because I stuck it in. I can't remember who got bumped, but I hope I got you scheduled somewhere else down the road anyway. But this is an incredibly wonderful verse where God says, I love you, but he does it in such a, a unique and wonderful way. Now, Keep in mind that 
this Wednesday is February 14th, okay? And uh, that is Valentine's Day. Now, you might say, I just heard this in a movie this past week, you might say that it's a holiday created by the card company to make money. Listen, I'm telling you, men, I'm talking to you because it's, Valentine's Day is more important to the women than to the guys, okay, to the guys, okay? So I'm telling you, I don't care who created this holiday, but don't miss it. Don't miss it. Your wife is expecting something from you. Now, if your wife says something like this, oh no, it doesn't matter, don't get me anything, she is lying, okay? You go and get something for Valentine's Day. Trust me, you're going to thank me for this on the 15th. You're going to say, thank you, Pastor, for doing this. i never forget, this happened to me. Do you remember this, Judy? It was a long time ago. Gosh, it was in Cobden days, and, and we decided it just wasn't important, you know? Yeah, well, along comes the 14th, and Judy whips a card out and something. And, uh, um, honey, I, I didn't get you anything. <laughs> and, boy, her eyes said it all. <laughs> That's why I learned this lesson. You know, you know, I'm a graduate of the School of Hard Knocks. And so um, that day, so I ran up to Target. I remember I went to Target and got a card and a box of candy. And, by the way, if you do do this after Valentine's Day, it's 50% off. Uh, just letting you know that. <laughs> Anyway, so I got back home with the card and the candy, and I'm pretty sure she didn't even open the card. Too late, baby. Too late, baby. I was in deep weeds. I was up to my eyeballs in deep weeds. So don't miss Valentine's Day. And there's multiple ways you can say I love you, just in case you want to know that. First off, a card is a great way. A card is a great way. Now, again, having been married 42 years, I'm going to help some of you young bucks out because you don't quite get it yet. Um, It's okay to get a card. If you write a letter, it's even worth more points, especially if it's about her. Um, if, you write a, if you write a letter about your favorite football team, it probably doesn't get you a lot of points. But, but if you write a letter about her, it really gives, that gets, does get you some points. But, but anyway, get a card, but, but write something in it. Um, if you have to, Google it, and you can probably borrow somebody's words. I don't know. Um, but let her think it was your own. So, so get a card, and that's good. Then, then candy. You know, candy, I know a lot of people don't like candy, but it still says, I love you. And you can tell her how, as the candy is sweet, she is sweet. Now, once again, though, if your wife is allergic to nuts, don't buy her a box of nuts. Okay, you've got to play it right. You've got to figure it out. Make sure it's something that she actually likes. And if you get some of it, that's okay. All right? Now, then, of course, if you just want to get her a gift, that's good. Now, again, generally speaking, it should not have the name Husqvarna or Steel on it. Or Hoover. Okay, Hoover like in vacuum cleaner. You surely get something that speaks to her heart. It's not time for you to buy yourself a new chainsaw or her a new vacuum cleaner and say, Happy Valentine's Day. It probably will not go well. All right? So those are some ideas about how you can say, I love you. And again, you can thank me on the 15th. You know, just trust me. Uh, these, this is good advice. Now, 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 now. So there, are, there is another few ways that you can say, I love you, and it doesn't cost you a dime. And I want to kind of talk about those as we go through the sermon today, if I can remember to do it. But in, in Zephaniah 3.17, God says, I love you, but he never says, I love you. And I tell you, I am honestly enamored with this scripture. I know, hopefully we have a larger crowd listening on the radio. And if you're listening on the radio, 
fine-tune, get your ear next to the radio, because God has a message for you today. And if you are here in this room today, I honestly believe God has a message for you today. And we find it in a minor prophet tucked away in the book of Zephaniah, chapter 3, and verse number 17. So if you want to take your Bibles and turn there, we'll have the screens up on, uh, the words up on the screen so you can follow them there. And what we want to do this morning is we want to take each little fragment or phrase in Zephaniah 3, 17 and talk about that and how it says, I love you. Now it starts out, uh, Zephaniah 3, 17, the very first part, the very first few words says this. The Lord your God is in your midst. The Lord your God is in your midst. Now, one of the ways you can, and by the way, one of the best ways you can say that you love your spouse or your sweetheart is time, your presence, your presence. It really says something when a man, especially again, a man to a woman will take time and listen Take time and go shopping with. Take time and give. Because time is precious. I know this. Um, if, if, I'm on, if I want Judy to know I love her, I give her my time. And you grab her after church and say, hey, was the preach right on that? Absolutely. When you give your time to someone, you're saying, I love you. And God says, I want to say I love you by my time or by my presence. Again, the Lord your God is in your midst. And this is such a, a valuable thing that we look and see in the Word of God. Now, what I like to do, first off, is we want to go back. We're going to go way back. We're going to go way back to after the children of Israel are leaving Egypt. Okay? And this idea, now keep in mind, just again, keep in mind that they've been in Egypt for 400 years. And virtually, they've not heard from God. I mean, they were a big family when they went into Egypt, and they come out this huge group of people, and they had no organized government, and really, they had distant memories of God, but not really, most of them had no concept, really, of who this God was that they used to worship so faithfully. And so, during the process, you know, Moses says, let my people go, speaking for God, and they finally let the people go, and they're in the desert, and that's where we want to pick it up. The scripture is Exodus chapter 13, verse 21. Exodus chapter 13, verse 21. Here's what it says. And the Lord, and the Lord went before them by day, by day, in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And by night, in a pillar of fire to give them light that they may travel day and by night. So, so first off this, God shows his presence. God affirms his presence two ways. First, during the day, there was a pillar of cloud. And then at night, when they needed light, that rhymes, okay, he manifests himself in a pillar of fire. You know, I, what the first thing that jumped out at me, and I hope you'll grab hold of this, is, you know, God is so good at giving us what we need. Now, we, get, we need to understand this, because God does not always give us what we want. Have you figured that out yet? Have you asked God enough times for something you wanted and it didn't happen? That's because God gives what we need. 
You know, there's a God we want and a God who is, and they often are not the same. They are not the same. Patrick Morley said that in his book, Walking with Christ and the Details of Life. But in this case, and I may be stretching it just a hair, okay, but that pillar of cloud, you know, once again, it was something that was visible during the day, but you often wonder, you know, as clouds, you know, in the heat of the desert, did the cloud offer some kind of climate control? Much like we pray for the Holy Spirit to fill this atmosphere here. Did, did the cloud allow God to fill the atmosphere around them? And we are told at night that the fire had a purpose, and that purpose was to provide the light they needed so they could travel by day and they could travel by night. But watch this, verse 22. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. In other words, he was there. And if you'll look in your past, if you'll take a moment and look in your past, you will find often, how often, God was there. Would you write that down? God was there. I'll tell you why. Because there's coming a time, there may be a time right now, or there's coming a time in your future, and you might say, you know what, it just didn't seem like God was there for me. The best thing we can do is right now affirm, well, you know what? God was there then. If God was there then, God will be there now because God is faithful and consistent. So write it down. Write down instances in your life where you know God was there for you. And that will help you in the times when it doesn't seem as clear as far as his presence goes. So he was there. And you know what's cool? Because we have the Bible, we can look in the future and see not only was he there, he will be there. He will be there. Flash forward with me to Revelation chapter 21, verse number 3, a time yet to happen in the future. Listen to these wonderful words. Revelation 21, 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, behold, now get this, don't miss it. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. In other words, God is dwelling with man. The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. He will live with them. He'll be present with them. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He was faithfully there in the past. And we had the promise of God's word that he will be there in the future. And let me tell you why that's important. Because life here is hard. Life here is hard. And we need to know that there's coming a time when God will dwell personally with us in a very real, obvious way, and, and we will be his people, and we are now, but it will seem even more real then, going back to old Trenton saying sometimes you need flesh and blood, and there will be it's coming a time when it will seem very real because he will be there in our presence. And listen to this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He, and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Keep in mind, when I taught this on the Baptist Hour, it was the 1st of February, and it was a Wednesday, a Thursday, after the Wednesday when the Peacock family died. And I wrote down in my notes that day, I said, in light of this past Wednesday, yesterday, we need to know that there's coming a time where he will wipe away every tear from our 
eyes. And, that, and that, that death will be no more. And there won't be any mourning or crying or pain anymore because the former things are passed away. That was the day before Steve Reynolds died. Judy's brother and Stephanie Church's. I'm sorry, Judy Brazier's son and Stephanie Church's brother passed away. And since that time, there have been more hard things. And listen, there's coming a day. There's coming a day when all the tragedy, all the heartache, all the heartbreak of this world will be a far distant memory. Because he is going to take those things away permanently, forever. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. Please burn that into your heart. You know, again, we keep in mind, keep in mind, you know, we say, why didn't God do something? And I think it said it sometime last week. I don't even know when I said it. But keep in mind, one time God destroyed the entire world with the session of eight souls because the world was so wicked. And God did it this way in a different way. He provided an old Roman cross. And he promised that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. His plan is, through Jesus Christ, his son, is to change this world. And we've got to do the job of getting the gospel out. The way we change the world is one soul at a time through the marvelous saving grace, the redemptive blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There will always be sin. There will always be heartbreak in this world. But the way we change the world is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one day, one day, the former things are going to be passed away. And verse 5, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Aren't you glad he's a God who makes all things new? There's coming a time when the heartache and the pain of a lost child, a broken marriage, a a lost career, a dream who did not come true, all that won't matter because it will be in your rearview mirror, and he is making all things new. And he said, write it down, write it down, for these things are trustworthy and true. You can take it to the bank. If If you look in your past, you'll see God was there. And I'm telling you, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ... If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you can look in the future and guess what? As sure, as sure, as sure as God was in your past, He is in your future. I'm so glad. I know this sounds crazy and some of y'all go, what? God is already in your tomorrows because He's not bound by time. He can move backwards and forwards as He sees. He's already in your tomorrows. Don't worry about your tomorrows because your God is already in your tomorrows. And God's already been there with your past now not only was he in the past and not only is in the future but bless god he is right here right now in hebrews chapter 13 and verse number five there's a scripture tucked away and the author of hebrews is talking about you know be careful of greed and be careful of the love of money and here's why he says for he has said i will never leave you or forsake you i will never leave you this is god speaking I will never leave you or abandon you. Do you believe that today? No matter what your circumstances are, no matter the tragedy that comes into your life, no matter how difficult where you are, do you understand your God, your God, the one you said you believed in, the one you trusted who died on a Roman cross for you, that God has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. It's a promise that you can claim. It's a promise that you can believe. 
There are several scriptures really that could be quoted for that, but I chose Deuteronomy 31, 6. It says this, Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. The Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. We may not know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what the next 30 minutes holds. But our God has promised he'll never leave us. And he'll never abandon us. That's a sweet, sweet application here that we Baptists sometimes, we, we're somehow afraid of the Holy Spirit. I've never quite figured that out, but, but we're all, we all wibby-jibby when we talk about the Holy Spirit. You shouldn't because he's part of the, the Trinity. But in John 14, now you know this part, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. I just didn't want to leave that out because it's part of the introduction Jesus has given. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Verse 16, and I will ask the Father, And he will give you another counselor to be with you. Can anybody guess how long? Forever. Forever. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor who will be with you forever. This is so rich. Okay, the Greek word here for counselor, another counselor, the two words becoming one is parakletos. And you've heard me teach this to you, but you need to burn it down in your hearts. It's parakletos. And it means two things. It means one, one of the same kind. One of the same kind. Now, keep in mind the topic is I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor or another comforter or another helper. And it means one of the same kind. Like what? Like Jesus. Jesus is speaking. He's saying, I'm going to ask the Father to send another one to be like me to be with you. For how long? Forever. Forever. It also means one called alongside. It means one who is willing to walk with me. So we got one like Jesus. This is what the promise is. We have one like Jesus who will walk beside us. One like Jesus who will walk beside us. Now, how many times have you said, Oh, I would love to have been alive when Jesus was alive. He is, and you are. He is, and you are. He goes on and says this, verse 17. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. We nearly got to understand the world doesn't get the God thing because they're not of God. Okay? All right? But, but you do know him. He says you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Now, keep in mind, what's Jesus saying? I'm going to ask the Father. He's going to send out another comforter, and that means one like this one, one like Jesus. He, he is with you. Jesus is talking to him. This, I'm still with you, he says. But after I'm gone, he's going to be in you. Now, imagine this. It's one thing to have Jesus physically beside you. It's a more powerful truth to have Jesus in you. Someone say amen. That's really strong. It's great to have Jesus beside you, but it's more wonderful to have Jesus in you. And that's exactly what he says. You do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will not abandon you as a mother or father would leave the child. I am coming to you. So, 
How's God say He loves us? By His presence. We can look at our past. He was there. We can look at our future on the Word of God, and He's going to be there. And as we look around today, He is with us today. In fact, we can look up, we can look down, we look to the left, look right, and look inside, because He is with us. How does God say, I love you? By His presence. By His presence. Secondly, God says He loves us by saving us. By saving us. Back to Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17b. He goes on. I'll try to get it together right here anyway. You know, he says, you know, he says I, I, the Lord is in the midst of your presence right now. A mighty one who will save. A mighty one who will save. God shows his love by saving us. Dr. David Jeremiah, many of you know that name, a great Bible teacher. Dr. David Jeremiah says, saving us is the greatest and most concrete demonstration of God's love. Saving us is the greatest and most concrete demonstration of God's love. Now, I like to do this. I confess I like to do it. I'll even confess I've done it before. But here it is. In the future, in the future when you are in a difficult situation and everything of your circumstances says, God has forgot me and God doesn't love me. God has forgot me. God doesn't love me. When you reach that point, there's a place you need to look, and it's this, not this, but you need to look back to Calvary, to a Roman cross that was stained by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now listen, I know some of you have been in church all your life, and that is way old truth for you. Dwayne, you're going to have to do better than that to get me excited about this Jesus stuff. Well, let me tell you something. There is nothing more exciting to know that God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he died on a Roman cross amidst great agony. That's the demonstration of his love. So if you ever doubt God's love, just look there. Let that be your anchor. Don't let an answered prayer, don't let the promotion you asked for to come true. Don't, don't, don't hope for the fact, oh, I had prayed for a great retirement and it came. I prayed for someone to be healed and they were healed. Don't anchor your love in that. Anchor your love in Calvary. In Calvary. The greatest and most concrete demonstration of God's love is that He saved us. Over in Psalm 62, what a, the Psalms are just full of wonderful truths. In Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8, the psalmist says this, My soul, my soul, wait silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. Oh, whoa, pause. What do you hope? Where, where's your expectation found? Is your expectation found in your 401k? Is your, yeah, you better not put it in that. Is your expectation in Social Security? Only if you're crazy. Is your expectation in man? Is your expectation in titles? Is your expectation in power? No, no, no. The psalmist says, for, for my soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. He only, He only, He only is my rock and my salvation. In other words, He is what I stand on and He is what saves me. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. 
I dare not plead the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground, all other ground, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. He is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I will not be moved. I will not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge to us. He shows His love by rescuing us. He shows His love by saving us. So He shows His love by patience. He shows his love by saving, and then he shows his love by his passion. His passion. Read a great devotion this week about the emotions of God. God is an emotional God. He's an emotional God. And listening towards, and don't you dare gloss over them. Don't you dare try to water these down. Let these words stand for what they are. He will rejoice over you. I know, I know, I know. You're sitting there going, I thought I just made it in by the skin of my teeth. I thought God saved me and then realized he had made a mistake. I thought, I knew God saved me and then wished he could undo the deal. No, he rejoices over you. And he doesn't rejoice over you when you perform well. He, re- he rejoices over you, period. Period. His rejoicing, his passion, I like this word, his passion for me is not based on my performance, it's based on his love and his grace toward me. That would be a good place for someone to say amen. Be glad in that. Because we've been taught, it's been drilled in our head, that God's affection for us is simply based on how well I do. How well I do could not save me, and how well I do does not impact God's love for me. It's an amazing thing. Listen, I know you know the verse, just listen. Romans chapter 8. In all these things, Paul says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded... That neither death nor life, in other words, whether I live or whether I die, uh, nor angels, principalities, or powers. Angels, not, not ever, whatever's in heaven, principalities, the powers of earth, or powers, the powers in the dark world. None of those. Nor things present, nor things to come. What I'm going through now, or what I'm going to face tomorrow. None of those things. Not height, nor death nor any other created thing. There's only two categories. There's creator and created. The creator category is very small. It's one, it's God. The only one never created was God. Everything else was created. So no other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Nothing... Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. As you know, when I was in Africa, I got the flu. And Judy actually had a couple of choices. 
she could have gone to the islands. Truth is, I could pop ibuprofen all by myself. So she could have gone to the island, okay? Or she could have isolated herself and said, there's the ibuprofen. I'll be out in the living room. If you're dead, call me. Let me tell you an amazing thing that happened. Judy came in to that room knowing that her husband had a contagious illness, the flu, in a foreign country. And she ministered to me. She never said, I resent it. She never said, I regret it. She never said, I hold it against you. That's because of you. I'm not on the island doing what I came to do. Rather, I'm stuck here with you. She never said that. I never sensed that. I never believed that. She simply stayed and showed her love. Flu could not separate her love for me. Illness could not separate her love for me. Multiply that times a zillion and you begin to touch how powerful the love of God is. Listen to this. I don't even know who this guy is, but it's such a good quote I had to give it. It's a guy named Jerry Bridges. God's unfailing love for us is an objective fact affirmed over and over in scriptures. God's love for us is an objective fact affirmed over and over in scriptures. It is true. The love of God is true whether we believe it or not. God's love does not depend on the fact, do I believe it or not? Do I believe God loves me as his child? As his child. It is true whether we believe it or not. Our, this, someone needs to hear this. Our doubts do not destroy God's love. Our doubts do not destroy God's love. Nor does our faith create it. So doubt cannot destroy it, and neither does my faith create it. It originates in the very nature of God, who is love. We hear that opening again in scriptures. God is love. God is love. God is love. And it flows to us through our union with His beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Wow. So God shows his love by his presence, past, present, and future. He shows it by loving us, and he shows it by his passion for us. And I hope you get a hold of that. God is passionate about you. He is passionate about you. Rest in that. And probably the best, the best thing is this, this last phrase. In Zephaniah 3.17, the last phrase, the fourth one, is this. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Now, I remember when I first found this scripture, and I shared it on a Wednesday night, I think, this is what really grabbed me. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Now, in the Hebrew, this word exalt, X-L-U-L-T, means to spin around under violent emotion, to spin around under violent emotion, or literally to dance, to dance. Some of those passionate moves known to men are in dance. And the scripture, Stephanie says, again, without stretching the scripture, without stepping out bounds of the scripture, without making it say something it doesn't say, he will dance over you with loud singing. God shows his love for us by his joy. I want to say it very bluntly. 
God is glad I'm in the family. And God is glad you are in the family. Do you remember? Do you remember when the prodigal son came home and the father greeted him and they threw the big party and the older brother got all mad about it? And finally he says, we had to rejoice. We had to throw a party because that which was dead is alive. That which is away has come home. The father did not say to the prodigal son, well, we'll let you in, but he rejoiced in the son coming home. And God dances over us in joy. Now, now let me, let me reread Zephaniah 3.17 with that word in there. Yahweh, your God, in your midst, the mighty one, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will dance over you with singing. How powerful is that? He'll quiet you with his love. There's a peace in the love of God. And he will dance over us. You know, I can't really explain what that means. I, I thought about I was watching um, Earth 2 last night with Judy. And there's an animal, and it's actually, I think it's in Uganda. It's called a spring buck. A spring buck. And they, they took pictures of these spring bucks. And it was right after the grass started greening up. And the spring bucks had the ability to somehow spring, oh, maybe five feet in the air. And just literally, I mean, we're talking about 15 or 20 feet. They just, they jump into the air and they land. And they said, we're not sure why they do this, but it appears to be an action of joy. If you ever seen pictures of a horse, a young filly, a young, you know, is that what you call a baby horse, a filly? Or is that a girl? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Whatever a little horse is called, okay? And you get a little horse out in the pasture one of the first times our days in spring, and they're just dancing around. <laughs> Best horse imitation you'll hear at Dorsville. And they dance out of sheer joy. And I even checked to make sure this was okay that I said this. But apparently, if you don't mind me putting it this way, God breaks into his happy dance. And we are the center of that emotion. We are the center of that emotion. By the way, I found out Mercy Me has a song entitled Happy Dance. And we are the center of that emotion. He, he dances over us with joy. He has gladness. He rejoices over us with gladness. That's how much he loves us. He goes on and says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 7. But my God, who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love that he had for us. My God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You're saved by grace. This is Paul speaking. He also raised us up with him. And now watch, this is crazy. Because my, my daughter would tell me, my English teacher daughter would tell you, raised is a past tense. Something that's already happened. He has raised us up and he has seated us as in past tense. This is not something in Paul's view that is going to happen. It has happened. It has happened. He has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. Somehow in God's mystic ways, he sees us as already seated with him in heaven. You ain't going to lose that salvation. You're already there. 
He goes on and says, So that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. In other words, part of heaven is all about us being there and we're trophies of his grace. For all eternity, we will be on display in heaven as God's trophies of grace. Something the angels can't understand because they never experienced God's grace. But we will be displayed in heaven as trophies of grace. You know, we display what we love. I checked this morning. I was in my office doing some last-minute studying. And I looked around my office. And do you know what was missing? I went with this girl in high school. Actually, it started in junior high. Susan, Judy. And we went together probably for five or six years. You know what I don't have in my office? If you've got this, you need to get rid of it. I don't have a picture of my old girlfriend. How about that? But you know what I do have? I know I got more than one. Here's Judy when she was 18, 19 years old. Here's Judy 10 years ago. Here's Judy last Christmas. Here's Judy. Here's, here, Judy. There, Judy. Everywhere, Jew, Judy. <laughs> Judy's everywhere. I think if you turn my phone on, you're going to find Judy. If you turn my iPad, you're going to find Judy. Because we display what we love. And I'm not saying how we display God. I'm telling you that in the coming ages, He might display the immeasurable riches of His grace through His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We are trophies of grace. God's so enamored, He can't wait to show us off, not for ten years, not when we're good boys and girls, but for all eternity. Wow. Wow. I'm telling you, y'all need to take this stuff home. Because Satan's beat us up and beat us up because we're not perfect. Because we fail. Because we do this. Because we do that. He's got us beat up where we're nothing but failures. And God doesn't love us because we fail. That is a lie from hell. He loves us unconditionally. He's enamored with us. He shows that love by His presence, past, present, and future. He shows that love by saving us. He shows that love by His passion. He shows that love by His joy. So leave here today. Leave here today. Filled with the knowledge. The knowledge that the God who saved you is the God who loves you. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. And in the future, when times are hard, when times are difficult, choose to look back to a Roman cross where the Son of God bled and died for us. It wasn't a murder. It wasn't a task gone bad. It wasn't a martyrism. It was His choice to willfully die for us that we could have forgiveness of sins and experience relationship with God through His grace. Be enamored with that. Be, am- be amazed with that. Because you know what? It's true. It's true. Would you bow your heads, please? If you're here today and that's not something you fully understand, perhaps you've never reached a point where you understand the powerful truth of God's love for you, what He did for you, 
We would love to share with you that truth right now today. We call this our time of decision. And it's something you can do right there in your room at home if you're still listening in. But, but you could today receive Jesus Christ. It means, it means admitting you're a sinner. And the Bible says every person is sin. And you come short of the glory of God. Every person is sin. And there's nothing we can do about that. So God did do something. He said, Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us and shed his blood to pay the price. Because the payment for sin, the Bible says, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Wow, how great is that? We would be glad to explain that to you. If you would be interested in knowing how you can receive Jesus Christ as Savior, come down in front and say, Brother Dwayne, I want to know more about this. And we'll be glad to share with you today. If you're here today and you've experienced that, would you just relish the joy of Jesus and God, Father, and the Holy Spirit loving you the way they do? Would you rest in that today? Would you choose to turn out the, uh, tune out the evil one and choose to tune in to what God really feels, the love he feels towards you, and enjoy that and rest in that? And celebrate that. And you know, if you're here today, and who knows, you might be here and you said, you know, I've been going to this church for a long time. Maybe today's the day you like, would desire to come and be an official part of the family. We'd love to have that. Maybe you trusted Christ, but you've never followed through in believer's baptism. We'd love to explain what that is all about. Or maybe you just need to come and pray. Maybe you're in that hard spot right now. And we have some friends who'd love to pray with you. This is a time for you to act on what God spoke to you about today. And anything we can do to help you, we want to do that. So let me pray for us, and the team will lead us in a song. God, thank you so very much for my privilege of sharing these truths. God, help us to buy them. Help us to buy in all the way. Help us to be all in with the truth of your word today. Father, we've we've learned too many lies And we have followed too many lies for too long. May today, may we just be enamored by your love for us. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for saving us, for rescuing us. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for loving us. Holy Spirit, this is your time. We sang the prayer at the beginning. Holy Spirit, fill this place. Fill this place. We're asking you now to work in the hearts of men and women. And Jesus, we pray this in your precious name. Amen.